Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Stand to your feet as we, we get into the word this morning. I promise I won't be long so you can get out there, start your barbecues and start your fellowship in that three, four hour uh, pregame of the NFL's uh, Super Bowl. That's the longest pregame in the world. And uh, I remember when uh, the Raiders went to the Super Bowl in San Diego. Man, y'all treated us harshly out there. Uh, you didn't tell people you're a Raider fan because they were such strong San Diego fans out there. And they hate the Raiders. They hate that you, you would go out to eat. You, didn't, you would tell them that you were cheering for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers so they wouldn't spit in your food. And so it, it was hardcore. I remember going, very first play of the, of the Super Bowl. For, I've, I've never been to any big games like that. I went to a Super Bowl. My wife let me go, drove down there. And uh, uh, Pastor Ant came down with me as well. And we went to the Super Bowl, very first play of the Super Bowl. Charles Woodson intercepts the ball. I'm screaming, going crazy. I'm like, yeah, this could be it. And then didn't have nothing else to cheer for the rest of the day. <laughs> It was brutal. I've, I still haven't seen the highlights of that Super Bowl. Still haven't watched it. Uh, we got jerseys I bought there that had the Super Bowl emblem. My wife said, are you going to wear this tomorrow? So put it away. Put it back in the closet. I, I still haven't. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. There's some things we got to set right. Jesus teaches the disciples to pray. And when he teaches them, I'm reading out of the message version. He says, like this. In fact, read it with me out loud. Like this, our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best as above, so below. Let's read that, la that last part. Set the world right. Do what's best as above, so below. Pray with me now. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As you're seated this morning, I also want to just acknowledge the Bronco fans in the house this morning. I apologize for overlooking you. You know, you guys have treated us pretty rudely in the past few seasons. <laughs> oh, Minnesota Vikings, Pastor Matt, stand up. Come on, Pastor Matt. Come on, show your jersey, man. Yeah. Show your jersey. Show your jersey. Bro, I have nothing against Adrian Peterson, man. You know, anyone, well, that's the way my dad used to discipline me. If I hate, if I hate Adrian Peterson, I got to hate my daddy. What they, hey man, what they call child abuse. What they call child abuse today, they used to call discipline in my day. I'm just saying. Now, when Jesus tells us to set the world right, Jesus is implying that there's something wrong with the world. Amen? And I got to agree with that. And if you take a look at what's going on in the world and see what's going on in ISIS, where they're, they're, they're killing Christians, they're trying to obliterate 
a certain level, a certain ideal, ideology, a certain religion. If you go farther into Africa and you see all the, the genocide taking place with nations defeating nations, wiping out certain populations, and the genocide going on, you could take a look at our world and say, it ain't right that what's going on. You can go deeper there and see the hunger that's taking place and say that isn't right. But you don't have to go overseas and other continents to see what's wrong in this world. You just walk across the street. You can look out your window and see the things that are going wrong in our communities. You don't have to go very far. In fact, right now, on the world's biggest stage this afternoon in Arizona at the Super Bowl, you will find today is the biggest human trafficking day in all America taking place in a city in America in a well-known city called Phoenix where they're holding the Super Bowl. Where little girls, children are being sold into sexual slavery that they're bringing these people in because there's a demand for it. That ain't right. But I don't even have to go to the Super Bowl to see those things going on. I can see it in my own home. It ain't right when we see people in our homes that are being letting a, a drug control their life. Weed control your life. Letting wine control your life. Letting things, even sports. Some of y'all need to get a grip. No, no, you need to hear me. You need to get a grip. It's a game. And unless you're getting paid for it, And I sure haven't seen no tithe for him in any of y'all that play for him. <laughs> but if you, if, unless you're getting paid for the game, you got you to take it down a notch, homie. It, it's, a, it's a team you cheer for. And as Bishop says, it's just entertainment. It's all it is. It's a, it's a diversion from our lives. It's something to be excited about. But it shouldn't change your lifestyle. You shouldn't disappear from church during the season. We, we shouldn't have to call suicide hotline just because your team lost. Oh, Lord, we got to set it right in this house this morning. When Jesus says to set it right, he's implying not only is there something wrong in the world, but he's also implying that we have the ability to set it right. He's saying that you have the influence, you have the ability, you have the talent, you have the anointing, you have the giftings, and you have the skills to set things right that are out of place in your community. Come on, somebody. And so I want you to understand something, that the Bible is filled with stories of men and women that are imperfect people, that have struggled in their marriage, that struggled in their finances, that had addictions, that struggled with problems, and yet those people were able to bring it together and set their world right. The Bible is there to inspire you and I to action. And that's why I know that the Bible wasn't written by man. I know it was inspired by the Holy Spirit because if it had been written by men, those men would have left out their bad points. Because have you ever noticed when someone tells you about an argument with their husband or their wife, they only tell you their side of it? You rarely hear someone say, man, I really blew it, Pastor. Man, me and my wife got in an argument and this is what I did. 
It's usually, man, we got an argument. And you know what she said? And there's very rarely that someone will come out and share their side. So I need you to understand this is our mandate. You are not called just to get a ticket punch to heaven. Let me try this side. We are not just here to just get our escape, get out of hell free card. That's not what church is about. The gospel of salvation talks about escaping earth when earth goes to hell, escaping hell and just getting to heaven. But Jesus never preached the gospel of salvation. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. And the gospel of the kingdom was about transforming earth to look like heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so God's always talked about bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. You are kingdom representatives. That's why when you see something on earth that bothers you, you have been created to fix that thing. Danny, that's why you work with kids. So you grew up without a dad, and when you see those kids going through it, it was moved in you to make a difference in that area. And that's why you're doing that. Dan, you came out of addictions and drugs and so forth. That's why when everyone else is chilling on Sunday mornings, you get up early, go, go pick up a van, drive over to the Salvation Army, fill it up with people that are going through the things that you went through, bring them to church so they can experience the same God that you did that changed your life. That's why you're doing what you're doing. You're setting it right. And so because there's something, every one of us has been created to set it right. This is our mandate. But it has to be done the right way. Everyone say, set it right. right. Turn to the person behind you that's just looking at your hair. Turn to them and tell them, set it right. Now you're looking at the back of their head. Now in Exodus chapter 2, turn with me quickly. Exodus chapter 2. I'm picking up a story. Remember last week I talked to you about Joseph? Joseph had a dream. Now, the reason this is so important because that message leads us into this one. Let let me just kind of, for those of you that didn't hear it, you got to go back, listen to it on podcast, on our CWC app for Apple or for uh, Android. We we appreciate those of you listening right now on on the uh, podcast. In fact, give those that are listening to podcasts right now a round of applause. Amen. Welcome them. We appreciate every one of our listeners. And so I want you to take a look at this. Joseph, after Joseph has the dream and thrown in the pit, the prison, ends up in the palace, uh, finds himself before Pharaoh. Pharaoh has a dream where he, he has a dream about, uh, and, and Joseph comes and interprets the dream. And what the dream was was this. Joseph, uh, Pharaoh had a dream of seven years of blessing that were going to be taken up by seven years of famine. There were going to be such a blessing. They were going to have bonuses, raises, the increase of their crops. Everything was going to go great. Some of you have experienced that. As soon as you get a bonus, you go out and spend it. As soon as you get an increase, you start finding out, can I get a bigger car? Can I move up in the kind of car I got? Can I get a night? How much can I spend? You get a $50 raise and you go and, and, and get a $100 bill. And so now you're $50 in the hole. A month. And so that's the way we run our lives. We run our lives with no margin. And so Joseph gives Pharaoh some very valuable uh, information. And I encourage you to write this down. It's called the storehouse principle. And every one of us needs to operate our lives in what's called the storehouse principle. 
And what Joseph was telling Pharaoh was this. Listen, in those years of blessing, cut back on what you're spending. And take the excess and put it away in the storehouse. Start filling your barns. In fact, I need some of you to understand and listen to me. Many of you are paying out to cable before you pay yourself. If you don't have enough to put in savings, then you can't afford cable. It's quiet up in here. People are like, who are you to tell me about my cable? <laughs> I'm pirating it anyhow, Pastor Dan. I got the little black box. <laughs> Listen to me. Before, the, the first thing you should do when you get paid is you give to God. Amen. I'm going to explain something to you in, in a moment. A after the seven years of famine, or seven years of blessing, then seven years of famine came. And Joseph had built up this big old storehouse, and so all the nations started coming to Egypt when they ran out of food because of the famine. And Joseph had prepared so well for the famine that he had these storehouses filled. So the people of Egypt and people would say this, hey man, you know, what good is our money if we don't have food? So they came and they bought, used their money up for food. After the money was gone, they're like, well, what good is our livestock? I don't know why they didn't eat it, but they, what good is our livestock? Uh, give, us, give us grain for the livestock. And sell, sell it, we'll, we'll give you all our livestock, you take the grain, you give us grain. So they did that, now he has all their possession. In those days, livestock would be equal to our cars, our televisions, our possessions, okay? So now all their possessions are gone, now they have their land. They got their houses and their land, and now they're like, oh, dang, what good is this? I got my land, but I got nothing in it, and I got no food, and so let me sell you my land. And so Joseph then bought the land from them and gave them grain. Now, notice Joseph's getting rich during the famine while everyone else is going poor. I'm here to tell you something, that when, when you know the strategies of God, while everyone else is going through famine in life, you could be increasing. Now, no, no, hold, hold your applause because, because you missed that point. I need you to understand. This is a powerful point. There is never a famine in heaven. There is never a famine in heaven. And so when there's a famine on earth, you notice that God's people are always blessed throughout the word during these famine times. The Bible talks about uh, Jacob that during a time of famine, he, got, he became wealthy, he became rich, increasingly rich, and increasingly wealthy. Three different levels in the middle of a famine that was going on. So God will give you strategies during that time. Now, let me take you a step farther. After Joseph now has... He has them, their possessions, their money, and now their houses in their land. Then they come and say, well, what good is those things? We're going to sell ourselves to you too because we still need food. Now they sell themselves to Joseph. Now they're all slaves of Pharaoh. And notice what Joseph does. He says, now, I'm going to give you grain so you could plant in your land. In other words, I'm going to give you jobs. In other words, everything belongs to Pharaoh, Right? You got nothing. Joseph says this, I'm going to let you go back to your homes. In fact, I'm going to give you land, and I'm going to give you seed to plant in those pastures. All I'm asking you to do is this. After you do that, 80% you get to keep. Somebody say amen. 
How many would take a deal like that? You got no land, no money, no house, no job, no career. You got nothing. You're in the middle of famine. And Joseph now says, I got a deal for you. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you property. I'm going to give you seed. And you just have to just make sure you give Pharaoh 20%. You get to keep 80. There's not a person in this place that wouldn't take that in a New York minute. Yet when God asked for 10%, Like, hey, it's my money. Well, where'd you get the land from? Where'd you get your life from? Go like this. That heir is not yours. That's his. It all belongs to him. God's saying this, I'm going to give you land, I'm going to give you your life, I'm going to give you your opportunities. All I'm asking that you give me is 10. You get 90. But we can't understand that. Because you're so focused on what you're giving up, you're not recognizing what you get. I'm spitting right now. I don't mean spitting, I mean spitting, rapping, spitting. Come on, Sister Sandra. <laughs> now, in that process of time, now follow me on this. Joseph ends up bringing his family from, that is in Canaan. He brings them back so he could take care of them and watch over him, okay? His dream comes true. Years pass, and now Pharaoh and Joseph have died, and a new king rises up that doesn't remember what Joseph did. Yet Joseph's family's still living there, and they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So they put them and make them slaves because they're afraid that they're growing too big, in fact, larger than the Egyptians. So I need you to understand that whenever someone mistreats you, it's because they're afraid of you. Whenever someone mistreats you or treats you rudely, they're afraid of the giftings, the talents, and the abilities that lay in you. Say it again, Pastor. That's why you got those family members that are always picking at you. Because they know the greatness that lies in you. Now, that might not be for you right now, but just take that, put it in your pocket, take it for later, okay? Because you're going to need it. You're going to need it someday. Now, as a result, what Pharaoh does, every child that's born, two years, and every, every male child that's born... They're given instructions to kill the male children because they don't want to end up having an army of men that rise up and lead out of the land of Egypt. But if it's a little girl, they let them live because they can be a servant in the house of Pharaoh. Now, something very important happens. A baby is born by the name of Moses. And when Moses is born, his mom takes him and sees that there's something great about this kid. There's something beautiful about this kid. How many moms, when you had your kid, you knew that there was something great about your kid? Amen? How many still believe that now that they're, they're older? How many are crossing your fingers that it's going to become true later on? That, that's one thing about a mom. A mom never stops believing. I just talked to a mom outside, pray for my son. He's going through this and that. But the, even though he's going through all this stuff, she wants me to put him in charge of our men's home when we open it. We don't even have the men's home yet. And he's struggling right now with addictions, but she sees him as the one running the program already. That's what moms do. 
Come on, that's, that's, how, that's how moms, the prayers of a mom keep believing something. And when Moses' mom holds the baby, she believes that he was created for something great. And she's speaking that. She's hiding him out. But when it got to the point that she couldn't hide him anymore, she made a little basket, put him inside of it, and pushed him down the river. And she pushes him in a river where she knows Pharaoh's daughter is going to be at. Because as the ark is going down the, the, down the river, there's a little girl walking and watching the, the ark as it's going down. And Pharaoh's daughter is taking a bath, and she sees it and says, bring it to me. And she brings it out, and when she sees the child, the, the little Hebrew girl goes, uh, you know, what is it? And Pharaoh's daughter isn't stupid. She knows what's going on. She's being played right now. Yet something happens. Look at verse 10 of chapter 2. And the child, uh, and the child, actually, let me come down. Uh, is that the scripture I'm doing? Yeah, it is. Now, let, let me, let me uh, set this up before I read the scripture. She takes the child out, and she sees the child, and she calls him Moses because she drew him out of the water. Moses means to draw out. Everyone say draw out. Now, I want you to notice, and the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she called his name Moses because she had drew him out of the water. Look, look at Moses, this name Moses, the greatest leader to ever be born. One of the things I want you to know is this. He was born a slave, he was raised a prince, but he ends up fleeing as a fugitive. Talk about a, a, a ride in life. Now, I want you to understand something. He's drawn out of the water. What you draw out of your troubled times can be the very thing that delivers you. Never discount the troubled times you go through. In every troubled time, look for your Moses. In every troubled city that you're in, in every troubled trial, in every troubled marriage, in every troubled finances, in every troubled sickness, I need you to keep your eyes open. Look for the Moses coming down the river. Look for the Moses that you draw out because whatever you draw out of your troubled time is the very thing that can deliver you. Look at verse 11. And it came to pass in those days that when Moses was grown, everyone say grown. That he went out to his brethren and he looked on their burdens and he spied out an Egyptian smiting, oh mighty smiter, smiting a Hebrew, one of his, one of his brethren. And I want you to notice this. I want you to catch this. First thing I want you to understand about Moses is that he grew up. One of the reasons we can't set the world right is because we haven't grown up yet. We're still stuck in our own struggles and our own trials. The, the, the difference between, how, how do we set it right? How do, we, how do we grow up? In fact, psychologists have identified this is the difference between a child and an adult. It's not your age. It's not when you grow hair in certain parts of your body. It's not when your voice lowers. You be transition from a child to an adult is when the child is now able to claim responsibility for their actions. You could be a 50-year-old child because you're still blaming the environment, your parents, your neighborhood, your family, your friends, your wife, your kids, your job. You're complaining the side of town you were raised in, you're born in. Oh, you know what? It was my divorce. It was my, it was my marriage. It was my mom. It was my dad. you got to stop blaming people about what's going on, and it's time to grow up. Yeah. Got to grow up. 
You can't set the world right until you grow up. You can't fix your marriage until you grow up. You can't, you know, what, what, how, you can't fix a marriage when you're married to a child. You ever tried to reason with a child? You ever see a kid at Toys R Us that wants something? They drop to the ground, start kicking and screaming. Some of you act that way in your marriages. So he grew up. It's time to grow up. Take responsibility. Learn to say my bad. You know, I'm sorry. You know, one of the, thing, one of the things I've always had a hard time doing is, ask, is saying sorry. Because, you know, growing up, I never heard my dad admit his faults. And when my dad hears this, he's going to say, yes, I did. I did it one time back in 1832. Because <laughs> <laughs> remember, men argue facts. Women argue feelings. And so he has a fact somewhere in there that might contradict this, but I never heard that. When, it, I, I never, when my dad, when I felt I was mistreated, I never remember my dad coming in saying, son, I'm sorry. Mijo, I'm sorry because daddy blew it. Never heard that. And so when I would blow it with my kids, I made sure that I would go in and I would tell them, babe, I'm sorry, daddy blew it. Because I wanted them to know, but I have a harder time doing that with my wife. I struggle with that because not, not, more, not because she doesn't deserve it, but because I'm embarrassed by my actions. And my, my, my embarrassment causes me to do the same thing Adam did when he sinned before God is hide. And so instead of reconnecting, I hide. But she's just like God. She's like, babe, where are you? <laughs> babe, are you, where are you? <laughs> I hid because I was naked. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, well, then come on then. Make, hey, we're married. Touchdown. So everyone say, Moses grew up. So after he grew up, he went out. You can't stay in the same place if you want to set it right. Most, you can't sit in the palace and just look outside the palace walls and say, oh, man, things are messed up out there. You got to get up and you got to get outside the walls. You got to walk outside the church. You got to get involved in the community. You got to get involved in your neighborhood. You got to get involved in your marriage. You can't. Listen, Dad, you, parenting doesn't end at conception. I let my seed, I did my job. Them kids need you. I tell you, young ladies need affection. They were built for it. And if they don't find it from dad, they're going to find it from someone. It's my job to pour affection into my kids, into my girls. So we went out. You got to go out. You got to go outside. You got to go see what's going on. Number three, he looked at the burdens. The burdens that were on them were so great. The, literally, the word beat, burden literally means beat down. It literally means that they are, they are being destroyed. And so he's watching. 
his, his family being destroyed before his eyes. Many of us are sitting there in our marriages and our, on our couches watching our marriage destroyed, watching our, our bodies destroyed by that drug we're putting in our arms. God said that you were created with dominion, which means this. God gave me over dominion over the plants of the field, over the birds of the air, over the fish of the sea. Now, how do I have dominion over a fish? How do I show I'm, I'm to have dominion over a bird? What God's saying is that I have dominion over the resources. I'm not at their liberty, they're at mine. Which means this, that plant that comes out of the ground called weed will not control me. I control it. That hop that comes out of the ground that becomes beer will not control me. I control it. That grape that becomes wine will not control me. I control it. I will not allow that plant that becomes coke or cocaine control me. I control it. Oh, come on, somebody. Are you following what I'm saying? You were created to have dominion over those things. Those medicines, those drugs should not have dominion over you. You were created to have dominion. And so we're, we're seeing people. Dan, that's why you stepped in. You saw people that are being beat down. You saw the burden. Next thing he sees, he saw the beatings. He saw them literally getting beat down by these things. And we're seeing these things, but we're not really seeing them. You know, I, I remember, I forget who it was that said, there was a book I read, I think it was uh, um, from Life Church, uh, that said, in, in the book he said this, there were two inventions, modern inventions, that killed Amer the society of America. In our, ability, our community. And the first invention was called the garage door opener. Because in the old days, you had to get out of your car, walk over to the garage, grab it, and open it up. And while you were doing that, there were people sitting on the porches in the neighborhood. And so when you got out of work and out of the car, you would see your neighbors and you would wave to them. And the kids would be running by. And you got to be careful you didn't run over the kids because kids played outside. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was amazing. A sight that you've never seen. Kids running up and down, bikes going and so forth. You know, I'd leave early in the morning and then to come back, right? I knew it was time to come home when the light, when the sun went down. That's when I knew to come home. I never stayed in the house all day. We were out all day. All day, and, and just everywhere, just uh, playing football, playing baseball, getting into trouble. It just didn't matter. That's what we did. The second invention was called air conditioning. Because in the old days, though, when it was hot inside, in the evening, the houses got real hot. Everyone came out to their porch, and they would sit on the porch fanning themselves with iced tea or lemonade while the kids actually played outside. And everyone was out. And so you saw your neighbors, you had this community there. Now we come driving into our neighborhood, press the button, drive into the garage, press the button, it closes behind us, turn on our air conditioning, and now we're in our nice little climate that we do not want to be bothered by what's going on outside. We are created to set the world right. Does everyone say set the world right? Set the world right. Let, let me break it down here. And so he, he was moved to action and he does something. John, if you, you can help me. 
I, I want you to notice what happens in verse 10, or uh, actually verse 12, 212. I didn't change the uh, address on that. And he looked this way. Check this out. You know that when you're looking both ways before you do something to see if anyone is watching, you're about to be up to no good. I told you I was a thief last week. And one time, my, my parents sent me to, you know, August Booger, August Booger, August Boger. <laughs> That's what we used to call it, August Booger. August Boger, right over here, used to be my, my um, middle school. And our eighth grade class had a trip to uh, Great America. And we were going to Great America. My mom, you know, I asked my parents for some money so I could get something while I was there. And my mom was like, hey, we paid for the ticket. You want me to pay more money for you to go and get something to eat over there? Take a lunch. I'm going to be the only kid walking around with a bag, brown bag at Disneyland, at Great America, you know, getting on the rides with my, my bag and turning great, you know, the burritos seeping through and got grease coming through the outside of the bag. It's like, I'm not taking a bag with me. Come on. And they gave me like $4. Even back then, a, a, a hamburger was like seven bucks back then. You couldn't buy nothing for that. But that's not why I was a thief. I was just a thief, you know. So I, I remember walking into one of the little stores there, and I walked into the store, and they had those little signs. And I wanted to be able to say, yeah, I went there, and it had a sign, this, is the, this room is Danny's or Dan's. Right at the door, a hand comes on my shoulder. And it was security. Excuse me, son. I ain't your son. So I got a daddy, and you don't look like him. He goes, would you put down your pants? I said, I ain't got nothing down my pants except what my daddy gave me. He's like, uh, I, need to, I need to say, so you ain't, unless you got a, Search warrant? You ain't touching me. I don't know where I came up with this stuff. I think it was from television. And, and he's like, no, I, well, I'm going to search it. So you ain't searching nothing, man. Did you, did you see me put, do you see something? Do I, does it look like I, I'm so glad that little thing was flat. So if it had been a stuffed animal, I would have been in trouble. But he just let me go, and I remember walking away. And I'm thinking in my mind when he's telling me, God, if you let me get away with this, I will never steal anything again in my life. <laughs> never again. Got away with it, and a few minutes later, I'm sitting at the little place. They used to have a conveyor belt that came out with food. Remember that at Great America? They had this little circular thing that would come out, and they would fix the food in the back, and it would come out on a conveyor belt, and you would grab what you wanted, and then you would go to the front. I didn't have any money to eat, so I stayed up against the very wall of the conveyor belt, and as fries would come, I would just sit there and <laughs> take a couple. Hey, the first world problems, homie, you know? I'm trying to get by, you know? Mom and Dad didn't give me no money, and I wasn't bringing my burrito bag with me to Great America. Moses does the same thing. He sees an argument, sees what's going on, and he knows that he was created to do something. Many of you know that you were created to make a difference. The problem is we want to do the right thing, but we go about it the wrong way. 
You want to heal your marriage, but yelling at your wife isn't going to get it fixed. You want your kids to get right, but you're yelling at them, but you're not showing them how to do it. You're, you're trying to get your finances fixed, but you keep borrowing more money. That's not how to do it. You want the right thing, but you're going about it the wrong way. And so as a result, when we want the wrong thing, but we go about it the wrong way, something ends up happening. Uh, I want you to understand that good intentions don't fix things. There's many divorces because of good intentions. Many, many families that have been destroyed because of good intentions. I'm going to close right now. Stay with me. He looks one way, looks another, and he kills the man that's beating his people. I find it interesting that Moses was born a slave, but he was raised a prince. And the reason was, is that, bless you, he was raised a prince because it was vital that he thought like a prince. He had the blood, the same blood going through his veins that the slaves did, but he saw things from a different perspective. You need to know your royalty. You need to start walking around and clothing yourself as a prince. Because as long as you see yourself as a slave, you'll never think that you have a right to freedom. You got to start seeing that you have a right to be free from that addiction. You have a right to be blessed financially. Listen to me. You have a right to own a home. You have a right to a great job. You have a right to a healed family. You have a right to restored marriage. You have a right to be free from addiction. You have a right, not a hope. I have a right. Whenever we try to do things our own way, we end up killing people and having to bury them as well. And so many of us, like Moses, we're trying to do the right thing. We know we're born for it, and we end up, huh, we end up taking a step of faith, thinking we're doing the right thing, and we end up, the very people we're trying to save call us out. Hey, man, you're going to kill me like you killed that Egyptian? And we end up running. Many in this place, you've tried to heal your marriage. It didn't work, and so you gave up. Many of you tried to break that addiction, but it didn't work, and you've given up. You've tried to get out of debt, but you tried, and it didn't, it didn't work, and you gave up. I'm here to tell you, stop trying to do it your own way. Moses did it his own way and ended up on the run. But, but he has an encounter with a burning bush. He, he sees a bush that's burning but not consumed. He sees a bush that's on fire but the, the, the branches don't disappear. The leaves don't disappear. I'm here to tell you that whenever you find yourself burned out, when you find yourself giving too much and things aren't working out, it's not because God's not with you. It's because you're trying to do it on your own. I know when God's working through me, when I could be busier than a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. And I still have energy. Why? Because I'm on fire right now. I'm on fire. And he's burning through me. He's burning, but I'm not consumed. 
He's burning through me, and it's just showing through. The glory is showing through. So I can deal with my family. I can deal with my finances. I can deal with my marriage. I can deal with my city. I can deal with my church. I can pray for your marriage. I can pray for your sickness. I can believe for your family, and I can do those things. Why? Because I'm on fire right now. I'm being burned by God, but not consumed. I'm here to set it right. That's what you're here for as well. Stand to your feet this morning. Let me close out with this. Galatians chapter 3 verse 2. Let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going crazy? Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think that they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. But look at the next verse. If you weren't, oh, this is hardcore. Remember, I didn't write this. Don't take it personal. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? Did you go through this whole painful learning process for nothing? It's not a total loss. It's not yet a total loss, but it certainly will be if you keep this up. Set it right. It's in you. You have a passion, a desire that God placed in you to set it right. It's in you. It's inside you. The difference between Moses pre-burning bush and Moses after the burning bush is one tried to do it all on his own. The other did it all with God. You have a God encounter? You have an encounter with the Most High? You're able to do, take the passion that you have and place it with God's power. And there's not a Pharaoh in hell that can keep you from setting your family free. Bow your heads with me quickly. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash CWC Bay Area.